you have to make your relationship a priority still. I think people were probably going to be like, oh, she's going to say like, let's come back. No, you have to make your relationship a priority still. And you can do that in really small ways. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Gather and Growth. I am very much looking forward to today's episode. I have brought my friend Ashley Machado onto the podcast. Um, There's something that I have been seeing as a through line in so many conversations online and in a variety of spaces and what it looks like to communicate in marriage through conflict and through a variety of situations. And when I thought about who would be the perfect person to bring on as a resource, Ashley immediately came to mind. And so today we are really having this conversation to hopefully put together a resource that will help you if you're married, your spouse, your people in your relationship with. I think this can even transcend marriage, just thinking about those core pieces of communication for productive, healthy, positive conversations. And specifically, we'll be talking through the lens of relationships in the ag sector, but I think that this will transcend no matter where you are, who you are, who you're in relationship with. But I'm really excited to jump in. Ashley, welcome to Gather and Growth. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to even talk about this. It's, I think it's a little taboo. People don't like to talk about it. We like to imagine that like every relationship is pitch perfect. But what the truth is, is like every relationship actually has things that people go through and ebbs and flows and just having some tools and resources to navigate those times and communicate is, I know it's been so impactful for my relationship and people around me. So I'm excited. I love that you brought that up. I was actually thinking about this last night as I was reading my daughter, a bedtime story, you know, reading like the Disney princess collection. Mm -hmm. And it was a book that was actually from, oh, I don't even know, decades ago. And it was like the story of Snow White and Sleeping Beauty. It was like, and then they lived happily ever after. And I'm like, but did they? Like they literally (laughs) just met and then they kissed and then they got married. Like, what does that actually look like? And what kind of precedence are we setting that, oh, you just magically fall in love and then everyone lives happily ever after. And so I love that you bring that up because even healthy, strong relationships have conflict and Uh there are ebbs and flows in different seasons. Even just reflecting back on my own marriage, there have been times we've been on the same page and there have been times like we're probably in different libraries. (laughs) We're We're not even in the same book. We're not even on the same shelf. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that that is something that so many people are navigating and being able to provide some tools to to help improve that. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what brought you to today. Yeah, I am in the Central Valley of California. So if you look on a map, north, south, east, west, we're literally probably like right in the middle. Um, My husband and I have a calf ranch here and we farm almonds. I grew up, oh, maybe like 30 miles south of where we are now and it's also a small farming town. My grandpa had a dairy growing up. We had some almonds ourselves. My um, grandparents immigrated here from Portugal and I was like, I have got to get out of this small ag town. I was always asking questions like, why do we do that? Or what is this? Or, you know, just like a little curious little girl and disrupting spaces because I was always wondering like what is going on and why are we doing these things and in the act space sometimes that's a little like oh why are you doing that you know we're a little old school in that way so I was like I gotta go well our roots run deep and I ended up in another small farm town in Sonoma (laughs) going to college there 
But then I went to the Bay Area and then I got my master's in LA um, in social work with an emphasis of clinical mental health. And I worked with at-risk youth and homeless women. I then began to actually, I did some couple work as I was training to become a therapist. And then when I got married, I was experiencing postpartum anxiety and we decided that I wasn't going to work not because of my postpartum anxiety, just because we live far from town. My husband works. Having animals is a little different as like they have to be fed all day long every day and baby dairy cows are really sensitive. So he works a lot, a lot. So he can't really like help take kids to school or do any of that. So it's like, I'm going to stay home. But my brain is always working. I saw that farmers and ranchers were struggling. That mm-hmm. There was like a really a lack of resources for our community and our people. Yeah. And so then I started sharing and on social media, locally, um, providing resources and things that I learned. And when I was a therapist and in college, different things like that. And that's how we met. I think on social media and at a social media retreat. So that's how I ended up here. So tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing, because I I have become so passionate about what mental health looks like and the span of providing resources and education around that. But you and I really share a heart for the types of communities that we serve. So what kinds of things do you offer to help farmers and ranchers in the mental health space? So what I do is I use my education and I, my professional experience and apply it with my personal life. So I help people individually. I also have been recently been helping businesses incorporate corporate wellness programs. So I'll go into their business, see the problems that they're struggling with and put together a mental health program for them and what they need. Maybe they need more emphasis on communication. Maybe they need more emphasis on community engagement and different things like that. The reason why I wanted to go more into the business aspect is because so many of us as farmers and ranchers also have off the farm jobs. So if we're able to teach these people in their other places of work and they're able to bring those resources back to the farm where maybe they're struggling a little bit financially and can't afford mental health resources, then I'm still able to help farmers and ranchers on someone else's paying for it. So that's really kind of nice, right? Um, And so I help people individually. I help businesses and I speak at different events and host workshops on different mental health topics like anxiety, depression, happiness, communication, how to build a mental health toolbox, like just like a ton of like really tangible resources that you can have in your back pocket to use whenever things are feeling hard. Mm, I love that so much. Okay. So speaking of tactical resources, we are just going to dig into the nitty gritty. We don't necessarily have a game plan here. I put a question in my Instagram stories of what are some of the things that you and your spouse are navigating? What questions do you have? And there really was this commonality around communication, especially around conflict. And so, you know, some of the things that came up were, you know, when you're working together or how do you talk without hurting feelings or how do I, how do I help my spouse understand where I'm coming from? Or, oh my gosh, I'm carrying this heavy mental load and he doesn't even know. Like, and I think if we zoom out and look at this, so much of it comes down to communication, both in the moment and in the span of your relationship. So what comes to mind when we think about marriage communication and how we can approach that in a productive and healthy way? I think we have to start back with our parents' marriage and even Mm -hmm. like our grandparents' marriage. We learn to communicate from when we're young, the people around us. So when you first get married, we're not teaching marriage communication in school. So the way you know how to communicate is a off-brand of how your parents communicated. The way you know how to show love is an off-brand of how your parents showed love. So if we go into our marriage and we understand and realize that, okay, my partner is maybe saying unkind words or not hearing what I'm actually saying, maybe that's not their choice. Maybe that's just how they know how to communicate. 
So what we need to do is put our best interpretation of the situation. My best interpretation of the situation is he's really struggling to hear me. He is wants to hear me, but he's having a hard time. He's also maybe struggling or she to communicate his or her feelings and how they're feeling. And that's okay. What can I do to help communicate how I'm feeling Mm. in a more productive way rather than going into the conversation and saying, you're not hearing me. Mm. So if you're coming and saying, okay, how can I communicate this in a different way so that they can hear me in, in the language that they hear? Gotcha. So what does that look like from a tactical standpoint of expressing what you need without necessarily that finger pointing of you're not listening to me or you're not hearing me? Like, how would you reframe that in a different way? So from like, you're not hearing me, I would say I'm feeling unheard. Because when we go into a conversation and we say, you're not hearing me, what that person is going to do is say, I'm on the defense. Mm-hmm. They don't know what I'm going through. They don't know in what my day looked like. So they don't know why I'm not hearing them. But when you come and say, I'm feeling unheard, it's making me sad. I'm feeling sad that I'm feeling unheard. They're going to be like, oh, wow. Okay. My partner's feeling sad. They're also not feeling heard. What do I need to do to kind of help this? The hard part is, is that it's really hard to be vulnerable like that. Right. And to bring down the defenses. Because we want to go in naturally. We're, we just want to go in guns a-blazing sometimes and be like, you're not hearing me. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is take a deep breath and be like, I'm feeling unheard and I'm feeling sad that I have to keep communicating the same thing over and over and over again. What can we do to make this conversation easier or to make this situation a little better? I love that you bring up, what was the phrase that you said? Like the way that we know how to communicate is an off-brand of what we've seen represented to us. Yeah. Like I genuinely think that most people are doing the very best that they can with what they know. But I think it's also really hard for a lot of people. Like you said, vulnerability doesn't necessarily come easily. I think especially in the ag space, not Mm -hmm. to make mass generalizations. And so how do we start breaking down those barriers of not only being safe for vulnerability, but also recognizing like what we're bringing to the table and then how to reiterate in a way that really serves the relationship that we're currently in. Mm -hmm. Well, the first conversation, the second conversation, probably the third and the fourth conversation are uncomfortable and knowing like I'm going to be vulnerable and it's going to feel weird. I haven't seen my parents really be vulnerable. Maybe they're still not even vulnerable with me, but I know to be able to move this relationship forward, we have to be able to communicate on a deeper level. And so what that looks like is just looking internally, knowing your body and knowing yourself. When I get defensive, me personally, when I get defensive, oh, it's like, boom, uh, walls up and no one is coming through. I'm not listening to anybody. I'm like, I mean, I'm not proud to say it, but it is what it is. I'm like, maybe stone cold. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's how you feel. I'm sorry. So I've had to do a lot of work on that because that's what the example was around me and no fault to the grown ups around me growing up. Like they were also doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. So because I know that, I know that in the middle of a really tough conversation, I have to constantly be checking where am I feeling on my defensiveness scale? Mm. Zero to one. Okay. I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm really listening. Oh, I'm starting to get hot. Like things are starting to maybe get tight in my chest. You know, maybe I'm at a five and I'm not actually listening. Okay. I actually need to pause and take a deep breath. One really great way that my therapist said to check is your Apple watch. So if you wear an Apple watch Mm. and you're in the middle of a conversation and it's not going well, look down. And if it has your heart rate elevated, say, I'm flooded. I need to take a break because you're not listening in that moment. Mm. Yeah. You're in like some elements of fight or flight. Yes. Yes. You're like, I can't, this is too much for my body. This is too much for my brain. I got to go. I'm defensive. I can't do this. And your partner 
is like, okay, well, I know when they're flooded, this is not productive. We'll come back to this and set a time. Let's come back to this tomorrow after work. And you pause the conversation. So how do you approach that in the moment? Because I think sometimes people do that naturally without even having the awareness around what they're doing by like storming off or, you know, just shutting down. So how do you say in that moment, like, wow, I have so many alarm bells ringing. I am not listening. I'm so frustrated. I'm about to say something I don't want to say. I literally cannot have this conversation. How do you articulate that in a way that's like, this is about me. This is not about you. I want to continue solving this problem. But right now in this moment, I just cannot. Yeah, I think we have to be kind and honest. So I'm feeling, well, Manny and I discussed the term flooded. So we know what that means. We know flooded means exactly everything you just described, Emily. So what we do is we say, I'm feeling really flooded right now. I can't in a healthy way participate in this conversation anymore. Can we come back to it tomorrow? And then me or him, we go and we take deep breaths and we really allow ourselves to pause It's taken a lot of work. I mean, we've been married for eight years this fall. And when we first got married, the communication wasn't, it was hard over small stuff. You know, he puts the dishes after he washes them on one side, I put them on the other. And then, but if you don't communicate about that stuff ever, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and you start to feel resentful. And then big things happen, big conversations. But really, if you go back to it, it's because someone's probably not feeling seen or heard because I keep putting my dishes on one side of the sink and you keep putting them on the other side. Yeah. I think that's so common is that oftentimes when this like explosive conversation happens, it seems like it's over something so small, but really it's like, days, weeks, or months of compounded frustration of they don't see me, they don't hear me, they don't know what I'm dealing with, like, they don't even care. And like, creating these stories around it within our own head without having that active communication in the moment, then all of a sudden, it's like, like this explosion that then what do we do? Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, in that moment, but then to reverse engineer that and almost prevent it or prevent it in the future. Like, how do you have those small conversations along the way to prevent that big, oh my gosh, I can't take it anymore kind of moment? Yeah, I think that it does get complicated because our partner does need to be listening, Mm -hmm. but we can't control other people. Yes. What I want to say is your partner is going to hear you and they're going to begin to make changes. But maybe when your partner came into that conversation, they weren't in a space to listen. So I think being patient and if it's like 12 times you've been having the same conversation, then really sitting down, maybe the way you're communicating is not working. So let's go out to dinner and I really need to talk about this. And it comes from a place of, I feel, feel really overwhelmed because X, Y, and Z keeps happening. We keep having the same conversation about it. What can we do so that I can feel less overwhelmed? Or is there anything that you can contribute like, or take off my plate? Do you have extra space? What does that look like? I think one of the best pieces of marriage advice, and I can't even tell you where I accumulated along the way, is looking at any situation or problem of you and your partner versus the problem. Because it's so easy to say, well, you don't do this, or you do this, or you say this, or you don't say that. And it's like, if you can identify, okay, the problem is we are both feeling frustrated about this, or there is what feels like to me an unequal division of responsibilities. I feel like I'm taking on so much and I'm totally drowning. Then it's like, okay, how can we partner together to get that problem to a place where it there's a viable solution or that there's a place of less overwhelmed? And obviously this is going to look different for every conflict, but um, is there any other tools around that that you've worked with clients on in the past? Well, that analogy is from the Gottman Institute, which is a husband and wife They are a research couple and they research relationships and they have it down to a science. Like within 15 minutes, they can know if you are going to get divorced or not with like a 97% success rate. Wow. I know. It's insane. I wonder what their dinner parties look like. People are probably like all silent. 
Like I don't even want to talk. <laughs> don't even look yeah. at me. <laughs> I know, but their website actually has a ton of really great resources. They have a, a lot of good books for people to use, but yeah, that analogy is from them. They're in Washington. They're really like, they have a lot of Ted talks. Like I've done a lot of research, read a lot of their research, but remembering that analogy, I think that's first and foremost, the hardest thing to do mm-hmm. is like, it's me and my partner together. And the problem is, is that I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, your partner needs to be on board with that too. Right. Ooh, that's a bigger question. <laughs> yeah. Me and my partner versus the problem. Your partner also has to say, okay, it's me and my partner versus the problem. Mm. Okay. So that lends to a bigger question. And I'm going to ask this in a way that I know is going to say, well, you can't. But like, how do you get your partner on board with anything? Um, I get this question of a lot of like, okay, I'm really investing in my personal growth. I'm growing. I'm learning so many different things. How do I get my partners to do this with me? And I'm like, well, like you said, you can't make anyone do anything. You can lead by example. You can offer suggestions. You can offer resources. But what's that? Like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So mm-hmm. obviously we know you can't make anyone do anything. But if you're noticing a change that you want to make in your communication with your spouse, how do you help bring your spouse on board with this journey? Because it can't just be a one-way conversation. Okay. So let's do this under the context of there's a couple and they argue all the time. And the problem is the way that they argue or communicate or bicker. Not to generalize, but the wife is working on herself. She's going, she's doing personal development stuff. And she's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I would love to bring this stuff to our relationship. I would love to communicate better. And her husband is like, Ugh, what is that stuff she's doing? I don't have time for that stuff. That's just gibberish, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's fine if she does it. I'm not doing it and I'm not participating. Yes. So that's the groundwork. If that wife was my client, I would, one, encourage her to just show her husband the differences working on herself has had on herself. Oh, I notice when I go on a run, I feel a lot better after. I notice when I'm eating whole foods, less, you know, packaged foods, I feel better. I notice I've been sleeping better and I notice I've been able to be more present with the kids. Okay. That one conversation is probably not going to be, he's probably still going to be like, whatever. Right. Then keep doing it. Keep doing, don't give up. Like you're in a marriage for a long haul, right? Like that's a long time. So don't right. give, just keep doing you keep showing up for yourself. Keep believing in yourself. Keep noticing like these things are good for me. Your husband at some point in his life is going to go through something hard. He's going to see that it doesn't affect you the same way that it affects him. So he's going to say, Hey, or you're going to notice like, he's not like something's wrong. You guys are going to end up having a conversation or a fight or something. And he's going to say, something's not right. How do like, I can't. I'm not doing good or I don't like this. Then you can encourage them to do something like go on a run or something Mm -hmm. of how it's going to make them feel better. As for like a conversation, you could say, hey, I have been working on myself. Honestly, I would just say my therapist or my coach or whoever I'm working with because they know you're working with someone. They said that maybe we should try this in communication. What do you think about that? Or I have really been having a hard time with the way that we communicate with each other. I'm feeling sad that we yell at each other. I'm feeling unheard. Can we try communicating like this? And then hopefully he responds with, yeah, I would love to try something new. Or yeah, I feel unheard too, actually. And this is how I feel unheard. And then you say, great, let's try communicating this way. Friend, I am so giddy excited to announce that my next Ascend Retreat for Rural Women will be held this March 14th through 17th on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama. You heard that right. Not only are we in for a weekend of profound life change surrounded by like-minded women from small towns, rural communities, and farms from all over the country and beyond, 
but we get to engage in small group conversations, one-on-one coaching, incredible workshops while overlooking white sand beaches and listening to crashing waves. Just imagine waking up in the morning and sipping coffee on the beach while engaging in meaningful conversations with women who truly get you. What would it be like to be in a room where you don't need to feel self-conscious about your personality or your quirks because you are wildly accepted for exactly who you are today? Just think about the energy that will be in this space as you dig deep, ask the hard questions, and figure out what you really want in this season of life, career, or business. If you're in a place where you feel like you've checked all of the boxes in life, but honestly feel like something is missing, or maybe you've kind of lost yourself through motherhood, career, or transitioning back to the farm, and you can't really imagine what comes next, but know that there's something that's meant for you. Or honestly, if you just need a kick in the pants jumpstart to begin the trajectory of bringing your crazy dreams to life, this is the retreat for you. Space is limited to 15 attendees and spots will fill fast. There are flexible payment options available to fit your lifestyle and budget for over the next year. For more information or to reserve your spot, tap the link in today's show notes. I absolutely cannot wait to welcome you into the Ascend community and welcome you into an experience that I know for certain will change your life. See you in Gulf Shores. Another thing I've seen to be really helpful, um, and I love that you bring up the like, oh, my therapist or my coach or something suggested this is like leaning into those third parties is like, Mm -hmm. hey, I was listening to this podcast today and they were mentioning something I'd never really considered before. Like, here's the episode. Would you listen to it? And we can talk about it together and see what we think Mm -hmm. of approaching new ideas from a place of curiosity versus everything we've been doing is wrong. Here's the right way we need to like that can feel so scary. Like you said, put up those defensive walls. It's like, Uh oh, there's something wrong with me and you're trying to fix it. And that feels vulnerable and I don't know how. So approaching it from that, hey, maybe we could try this. Or I heard this on this podcast might be interesting, a little different, kind of weird. Like I'm learning this too. Let's figure it out together. Can feel less like I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then even something I like to do is like, if I'm doing my makeup and he's taking a shower, getting ready for something, I'll have one of those podcasts playing. So then it's like, what is she listening to? Oh, (laughs) that stuff again. (laughs) But at least it's not the first time they heard it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not telling him, Hey, go listen to this. It's just like on in the background. Maybe his subconscious is hearing it. (laughs) Like maybe you just like leave the book on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Another place that I see this come up is with kids. Mm-hmm. and parenting styles. And I think this like doubles down on the what we're bringing to the table based on the way we were raised. How do you help your clients navigate differences in parenting, especially when they are vastly different or you're seeing a need for change or you're wanting to break some sort of generational cycle that you know is not healthy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is the partner like open? Is the partner understanding too? I think starting there. Great question. So let's say they're, they're not, let's say, you know, you're, you're in the space of trying to improve communication. You're, you know, wanting to do X, Y, and Z with the kids and your spouse is like reacting in a way that you feel like is unsafe or not what you want or whatever. Like, how do you have that conversation? Yeah. Separate away from the kids after an incident has happened. It's complicated. I would it's say so complicated. Probably, yeah. I know we yeah. cannot solve, we cannot provide every tool and resource and advice for every scenario in a podcast episode. Yeah. But something along the lines of like just how you're feeling, right? Like they're doing that because that was an example or that's what they think is best. So if you're like, that was the best that they could do, they did the best they could with the tools they had in the moment. And you approach the conversation like that instead of you did this wrong. Hey, maybe next time Wyatt gets really upset instead of like, or spill something instead of reacting. I know that is what comes natural. Could you turn around and take a deep breath and I'll handle it. 
it's okay. I'll handle it. I'll clean it up. And could you come and repair? Mm. I think the repair is more, almost more important than the blow up sometimes. But a great resource for this, who knows way more than me, is Dr. Becky. I think her Instagram handle is Dr. Becky at Good Inside. And she has a ton of workshops on her Good Inside website that talks mm-hmm. about parenting and communication and like how to approach stuff like that and how to talk about how you guys are going to navigate parenting. Mm, I love that. I think it goes without saying, but like this is such a journey. Mm-hmm. And this is so much of like the willingness to take in a new information and be vulnerable and be imperfect, which is hard for a lot of us. A lot mm-hmm. of us don't want to admit the ways that we don't know how or that we're struggling. Like you said, there's no there's no uh, how to communicate in marriage 101 that we go no. through in school. There's no how to parent 101. Like we are all figuring out as we go. But I think it's important you bring up that repair piece, whether with your kids or with your spouse. Like after something goes differently than you wish it would, like what it looks like to come back from that conversation and reevaluate how you'd want to do it differently in the future. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I'm sorry that I reacted or responded. I'm sorry that I was being unkind, taking responsibility for Mm. your part in the conversation. I think a lot of times wives maybe get caught up and forget their own part in the way that conversations happen. Mm -hmm. And you taking responsibility for your part in the conversation also goes a long way. And I think makes people less defensive and less on edge. Do you um, do a lot of work or can speak to love languages and how that affects like the way you communicate with your spouse? Yeah, I think love languages is a part of communication and that, you know, it's important to know how your person receives and knows love. So I, I really love it. I also know that it's not like research backed. So mm. is it real? I believe it's real. I believe Gary Chapman, who wrote those books, he did see these tendencies. I also think there's a lot of other elements to relationships. For the love languages, what I would say is really important is to just keep checking in because as your partner grows and evolves, as you grow and evolve, your love languages actually will change. So just keep checking in with yourself and with your partner. And maybe your partner receives and knows love by quality time when you guys first get together. But maybe after kids, it's now words of encouragement or acts of kindness. Mm -hmm. So just keep checking in and knowing like where your partner stands, but that just goes back to communication, right? Like continuing to communicate and like what your partner needs and what um, makes them feel loved and important as well as yourself. I feel loved when. So another thing that pops into mind as you're talking about this and, and approaching these hard conversations and communicating with the spouse is that element of kids, like especially when you layer that in busy seasons of work, especially, you know, in the ag space, like something like harvest or calving season, you're like, I don't even see my spouse, much less make time for this hard conversation. So as busy parents, what are some like really tactical ways that we can make space for these conversations? Well, let's tackle this in two ways. So let's tackle it from the view of like a crop farmer and then tackle it in the view of maybe like a rancher or something. So like a crop farmer, from what I know, you're like super busy, maybe in the fall, in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long is it typically? Like like three um. months, two months? <laughs> <laughs> or longer. Well, everyone, everyone who has um, crops is laughing because yeah, it could be a short period of time or like, is it raining? Is it who freaking knows? Is harvest going to last for two weeks or you yeah. know, 2000 days? No, I'm just teasing. Yeah. Um, but, but let's just say two to three months. Okay. So, you know, for those two to three months, it is balls to the walls grinding and mm-hmm. you have to make your relationship a priority still. I think people were probably going to be like, oh, she's going to say like, let's come back. No, 
You have to make your relationship a priority still. And you can do that in really small ways. Are you going out on dates regularly? Maybe not. Are you spending an hour of time together doing something like quality? Probably not. But what Mm -hmm. you can do is leave a note for your partner. Check in with them. What's on your heart? What's on your mind today? Uh, Two-word check-in. Two-word feeling check-in. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling happy. You know, Mm -hmm. different ways like that. We leave little love breadcrumbs throughout those two months so that at the end of the two months, maybe you got a whole loaf because you've left all those little breadcrumbs, you know? Um, But I think that that it's still important to check in little Mm -hmm. ways. There's a book called The Love Prescription by the Gottmans. It's a really short book. um, And it talks about just what you can do in seven days, small things to really improve your relationship. Those are the things that I would do through those three months through the busy season to stay connected. Also, another really great tangible tip that Manny and I have been using is our notes app and we'll collaborate. So we have a shared notes app. So for our grocery list, I'll type in what I think we need and then he'll just type it in. So I go to the grocery store. I have my phone. I don't have to call him and be like, what do you need from the grocery store? Or is there anything? Mm. Because he, when it was convenient to him, he typed in what was convenient. We also like send love notes that way. Um, oh, like I love that. Today, or so then it's like, I have like, I don't know. This is my ADD. Let me check. Right now I have 61 unread text messages. And so if he texts me, like the likelihood of me seeing it, I'm not sure. I mean, I have them as one of my priorities and I'll check it. But the love note, I know that I'm in my notes. He's going to write something. I'm going to write something. And it's just like a check-in for us. Just little things like that through the busy season to keep your connection strong. Mm. I love that because I think we've been talking about this conversation on on the defense of like when conflict arises, but there is so much to say that when you are nurturing along the way, like those, for lack of a better word, resentments maybe don't come up as much because you're feeling so fueled and connected and you're in constant communication and you're, you're feeling seen and you're feeling heard in all of these different ways. So then maybe it's easier to bring up those like small things when everything else is being so supportive and loved and nurtured along the way. One thing I do love from the five languages of love analogies is the idea of a love tank. And so if your love tank is full, the likelihood that a large blow up fight or like little bickering is happening, it's going to be a lot less than if your love tank is feeling real low. Yeah. And I I love that you bring up just those little things because, you know, when we first get together before kids, like you have more time, you're you know, in that honeymoon phase, oh, I was just listening to a podcast and I was talking about like the level of dopamine that you get when you're falling in love is like so explosive. And that's why it feels so exciting. And then really like a marriage is a continual commitment that exists between two people without that like literal brain science, like dopamine hit of falling in love. And so I think it's also worth saying that over the course of your lifetime, as you evolve and change, so is your partner. So Uh the things that you did together in the beginning of your relationship are going to look completely different now, three, five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, because you're changing so much as people. Uh And so really having the intention of growing through that together versus having that comparison of like, oh, when we first get together, we didn't fight and this was easy. Well, it was just an entirely different stage of life and of your relationship. Um, But there are certainly ways to nurture that love in, in a marriage throughout that it's just going to look different because you are different people. Mm -hmm. I also think zoning in maybe on what made you feel really loved in the beginning. Was Mm. it that he or she checked in once a day? Was it a kiss that they gave you every day? Was it an overall just more feeling of joy and less tired? Like, What are those things that made you fall in love and feel loved? So then instead of saying 10 years later with kids, you're like, you're not like you used to be. It's like, I 
really love when you check in with me every day. I really loved it when we got together and I still really love it. What can we do to make this easier for us so that, you know, it's happening? Yeah. And I think, um, and I'd love if, if you could speak to this too, is releasing the expectation that your partner is going to be filling every need for you yeah. in your life. Like feeling whole and center in yourself and focusing on what it looks like to love yourself, whether it is through like your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, your relationships, like your friendships, your family dynamics, like really honing in on what fills your cup from this whole big span of your life compared to the expectation of like, you complete me and you need to be everything for me. And if you're not doing enough, then I can't feel happy because, you know, rather than looking at like two halves, like if you're bringing two whole healthy, fulfilled people together, like then you're in a, a, a partnership and you can uh-huh. really enhance each other versus trying to, to fill the void for each other. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm, I'm obsessed with that idea and cause it's so important. I just remember like in college, the girls who are always like, like down on themselves and then they'd get a boyfriend and be like, they were just a whole nother person. So joyful. And then they break up and then they wouldn't want to hang out with their friends and they would be down on themselves again. Those relationships typically don't last because it's a lot of, for that other partner to hold, like that partner needs me for them to be okay. But Mm -hmm. we actually have everything we need to be okay. We just have to look inside and say like, what fills my, what makes me feel joy? Is it when I go to yoga? Is it when I go to dinner with my friends once a month? Like what makes my cup fill up and I need to do that. So then I could then present a cup to my partner and they're going to present a cup to me and we're just going to have a lot of water everywhere because it's going to be great. (laughs) It's a big old tea party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a Brene Brown interview the other day and she was talking about marriage and she was talking about when she comes home, well, her kids aren't, I don't think they're at home anymore, but when they were at home, her and her partner would do a check-in like, where are you at on the scale of zero to 100 and how much you can contribute to like the family, me, you, like, where are we? And if, you know, one of them was like, okay, I'm at 30%, like Brene would be like, okay, I have to, I need to contribute 70 so that you and me make a hundred. But the idea is like, you have your own 100 and mm. she, the other partner has their own 100. And it's like an ebb and a flow sometimes and just being aware of that and having these conversations so that your partner is also aware. Like sometimes I'm not going to be doing, I'm not going to be on par all the time and I need your help to help me. Mm -hmm. I need your help at home. I need your help doing this. And that's okay. Having your showing each other respect and kindness. Yeah. And knowing when and how to ask for help versus having frustration about your partner, not automatically knowing what you need without Mm -hmm. advocating for that. And I think that comes down also to a self-awareness around what we do need. Like you said, we do not all have the same threshold every single day. Uh And this obviously comes up seasonally um, in the nature of the work that our families do. But even just for women, like throughout the span of our cycle, like we have different capacity on different days and different weeks. And being able to articulate like, man, I am just really drowning in anxiety today. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Or I have this big project at work, or I'm feeling really triggered by this particular thing our kids are doing. Like, here's how you can help me. Like, are you willing to do that tonight so that, you know, we can we yeah. can function as a family unit? But being able to check in with yourself instead of immediately defaulting to frustration that someone else knows that. And is going to just automatically step in. And I, I think this gets very complicated in those busy seasons because yeah. everyone is at capacity. Everyone is overwhelmed. Everyone's stressed. And so maybe it's sitting down together or via text message or calling him or her while they're in the tractor and being like, okay, 
here's everything we have on the table. Like, what can we let go of for this week? Uh-huh. Are, are you cool with the laundry piling up? Cool. Me too. We'll tackle that on Sunday. Like, you cool with chicken nuggets for dinner? Great. I'm totally fine with that. But when there's like these unmet or unrealistic or unmatched expectations, that gives more room for tension to grow. I agree. Just checking in. Like you guys are partners, right? Again, with that idea, like me and my partner versus the problem. Like you guys are a partner. You're a team. Like you want to think of your spouse the same as when you were a kid and you were on a, a sports team. Like you want to support them the way that the sports teams do. And you want to feel that same level of support. What does that mean? Well, you may have to be a little vulnerable and you may have to communicate and say, I feel this way. I, I need this or this and that, or how can we make this work in our home? Or are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? Those conversations are hard in the beginning, but if you just rip the bandaid off Mm -hmm. and just start the first one, the second one, I'll tell you, is a lot easier. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast and I mentioned her earlier, but Dr. Becky, she was talking about how she would like be going around the house, picking things up, you know, like putting things back, like always just doing stuff. And her partner, casually sitting on the couch he's watching tv and she is pissed she's boiling she's like how can he just sit on the couch what is he doing and they would she'd be like what are you doing why you don't see that what needs to be picked up you don't see all this stuff and he's like i didn't notice it and she began to realize like oh this was like something that was beginning to cause a problem in our relationship and then she talked to her therapist she like really reevaluated herself And she began to understand like, okay, one, maybe he doesn't actually see the things that needed to be picked up because that's not something he experienced as a kid. But also, first and foremost, do I need to be picking up all of this stuff right now? Or can I actually sit on the couch too? And can I say, hey, I need your help. I need your help relaxing and I need your help just sitting down and being with you because Mm -hmm. you're really good at sitting on the couch and I am really struggling with that. And I would like to just sit by you and be next to you. Yeah. So many of the things we think we need to do. It's like, well, do you? Like, is it actually okay? Or maybe that doesn't bother your spouse and it's bothering you. And like, now you're frustrated with your spouse because it doesn't bother them. But like, what's that? What's that middle ground? What's the the in-between? Anyway, we could obviously talk about this for hours and days upon end, but you've mentioned a few really good follows and resources. And if someone's, you know, if this conversation's got their wheels turning and they want to dig in deeper, who are some of the people you recommend to follow, books to read, podcasts you to listen to, to expand or strengthen what communication looks like in marriage? Well, I would start with the three people I mentioned and one Brene Brown for like how to even be vulnerable or understand what that means to the Gottman Institute for communication, for marriage, for how to improve your marriage and just how to learn how to just be vulnerable with your partner and grow your marriage. And then three, uh, parenting, I would say Dr. Becky, you know, I'm not telling people how to parent their kids, but what I will say is she does touch on how to conversate with your partner and help them understand why and how you want to parent the way you do, and then help you to understand why and how they want to parent the way that they want to parent. And I think those three resources are really, will get anyone off on the right track and like give them plenty of reading to do. (laughs) it could be it's an ongoing journey you got plenty of stuff to listen to from here on forever but oh sorry one more thing i think that book the love prescription that i mentioned earlier if someone was like okay i listen to this podcast what do i do now that emily's podcast is over go and order the love prescription on amazon i think it's like 18 bucks or something and that is a great place just to take the first step And maybe share this episode with your partner. Yeah, in the background, you know, get it in their subconscious. (laughs) Just like play it on loop every day. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I did, like I said, my husband and I have had a lot of really good conversations just by one of the two of us sharing something and saying, thought this was interesting. What do you think about it? So I, I love that, whether it's this or one of many other episodes. So Ashley, one question that I ask every guest on Gathering Growth is, what does personal growth mean to you in this season? Personal growth means to me in this season, I would say choosing to let go of perfection and understanding just taking steps is okay too and perfect in its own way. I love that so much. Well, Ashley, tell us a little bit more about where we can find you, how Mm -hmm. people can get connected to you online. Because like you said, on Instagram, you are sharing so many tactical, tangible resources that people can use in the mental health space, in their marriage, in their family, in their relationships within themselves, especially through the lens of agriculture. Yeah. You can find me at by Ashley Machado. Um, my website is ashleymachado.com. And on there, I have like how you can work with me if you want me to come teach mental health tools at your business or you want to work on me one-on-one or anything like that. Either of those two places are great places to find me. Wonderful. And we'll link absolutely everything in today's show notes too. So thank you so much, Ashley, for being here. Thank you for tackling this hard conversation. Like you said, kind Mm -hmm. of taboo, something maybe we're not always talking about because I think in the pursuit of, of growth and intentionality and alignment, you know, the ways that we, we are in relationship with the people around us, especially those closest to us can really, really have an impact. So thanks for uh, agreeing to talk about this with me and sharing your beautiful wisdom and knowledge with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for bringing all of these resources that you've been sharing to our community. All right. Until next time, I am so, so grateful for you. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing Gathering Growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.